I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza. I'm Alan Rickards. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza. I'm Alan Rickard. And this is Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. Now, normally we record this from Fort Awesome Studios in beautiful downtown Burbank. This week... We're at Max Fun. Why? Because our guest is Jesse Thorne. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, I own Max Fun. What a coincidence. I know. Isn't that great? What? I do that literally every time. Yeah. You are yeah. in the right hey, place then. Does does my engineer Casey usually engineer your show? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been moonlighting on the side. Uh, we don't pay him. Does that? It's not moonlighting if we don't pay him. Well, I pay him. Am I right. paying him to engineer your show <laughs> every week? It's hard to explain. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> well, uh, we're thrilled to have you. Um, so this is an out-of-order episode. Let's just tell the nerds at home that this is going to be out of order. This is season four, episode four. Yeah. We're sorry, Davey. Just we're de- so sorry. Just deal with it. Motherfuckers. I've never called our audience motherfuckers. Are we going to lose people? I don't. It's because you might gain people. Is your that. whole audience mm-hmm. just that lady Tavy that I knew from the news radio Usenet group? She, in well, she is one of our when, biggest followers and helps us out big time. Yeah, shout out to her. Advertises us on the kids in the hall Twitter. So you know, like that's 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 like, gotta love Tavy. Yeah, totally. She, she listens twice. So I really do. Know, I literally, when I say that mm-hmm. I know her from the news radio Usenet group, yeah, uh-huh. I mean that literally. I literally know her from alt.tv.newsradio. Now, what no was your u- what was your what? username on there? That I don't remember. God That's your your past do some my depth. Yeah, I'm gonna do some hunting. Oh, please it's, don't. It's oh, no, yep. By yep. mentioning this yep. now, all the like posts. That are on uh-huh. Google Groups mm-hmm. that I made when I was 14 to mm-hmm. rec.sport.baseball.fantasy. Yeah, they're in there. Ah. Oh, gee They're in whiz. there. Anything that you jerked off to and wanted to tell people about and then realized later on oh, you should have no. done that. Oh, The essay that I wrote about mm-hmm. San Francisco Giants general manager Brian Sabian is probably there. I would guess yeah, so. Yeah, that one inspired me. Yeah, well, in you my know. entire life. I yeah. try and give back. Well, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, this episode well, is, yes... Oh, Alan, go ahead. No, let's keep interrupting each other. Yeah. Let's do that. Well, this episode yeah. is uh, Super Monkey Death Car, as Jason was about to Super say. Super Karate Monkey Death Car. Oh, that is. You didn't say the word karate. Failed. You already failed. Already it's okay. Failed. Alan's not going to talk fun. for the rest of the episode. Well, uh, so, see you, folks. Uh, uh, November 4th, 1997 is when it originally aired. Jesse, why did you pick this episode? I have an idea, but. It's one of the funniest ones. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's basically. I, I, I pitched you guys, I gave you guys a little list. Yes. Off the top of my head, mm-hmm. favorite news radio episodes. One where Norm MacDonald is inside a box and he's Jimmy James's lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's a f- solid episode. Uh, it's a great episode. Anyone with Johnny Johnson. Mm-hmm. Is yes. Probably my favorite news radio yeah. character Underrate, overall. Underrated character, I have to say. Um, <laughs> I, I pitched a variety of possibilities, mm-hmm. and uh, I think this was the one closest to where you are yeah, in the probably run. But this is like an all time classic episode, right? Yeah, it is. I think so. And I'd, I'd forgotten that at least even the B story and C story are not bad. Which yeah. is like, yeah, it's hard sometimes to well, find Well, I that. think the B story is the one, and we can get into what's the B story and the A story. But sure. The B story is the thing that is like one of the best 
plots on news radio ever, which sure. is the one that gives the show the episode its title. That right? is true. That mm-hmm. is true. That is actually the B story. You're correct. I'm going to leave the office now, too. This is not an office. But I'm going to leave the booth. <laughs> Goodbye. Jesse, you're on your own. <laughs> and the show is, God damn it, Jesse Thornton's yeah, podcast. It's got I, Lauren Graham you, on it. I had it completely does. forgotten that this was a Lauren Graham yeah, episode. Yeah, she's got I, like a four-episode arc or so. Four uh, or five. I think they said they signed her for six, but could only use her for three, if I heard that right Was she the doing that well already as a, like, God they said it. that she got like Gilmore Girls. Like, well, I guess that's that's it. For, Jesus for Christ! Her. Yeah. Be still, my beating heart, Lauren Graham. Oh my God! Oh my goodness gracious! What is fourteen-year-old Jesse Thorne interested in that actress? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was your username for that? <laughs> no, <laughs> there's there's no, no there's no Lauren Graham news group. There, there had to have been. That's there's got to be. Yeah, that's somewhere, right? She's a delight on this, and I also like that really this funny. is the one where she really turns. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, she she kind of turns to the point where she could be a Bill McNeil girlfriend kind of turning how insane for some she is. Reason, oh, yeah. <laughs> for some reason, two of my favorite television characters mm-hmm. as a teenager mm-hmm. were uh, broadcast consultants. <laughs> I would also throw Sports in Night? William H. Macy on Sports <laughs> Night. Yeah. Like two of my favorite television <laughs> characters, both broadcasting consultants. Uh-huh. Do you think that's why I'm now a professional broadcaster? <laughs> yes, I, yes, I do. I think I'm glad that we're finally at the core of it. <laughs> wow! Yeah. I had never put those pieces together. <laughs> well, I oh, feel boy. closure. I hope everyone else does. Yeah. I know we do. Smathew, that's another. Good oh one. my no. God, that's such I a good episode. I should have done Smathew. That's fine. That's let's fine. Go, let's end it here and go to do Smathew. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's another sitcom that recently did also a Flowers for Algernon episode, and all I, all I can see, I do see news radio everywhere, but I think it's also because their pop culture references were just the first one. Yeah. That I can think mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Maybe I could be wrong. I think I probably didn't get any of the pop culture references. It didn't matter. Sure. I. I in I know I had to read uh, Flowers Children on in like junior high, so mm-hmm. I, I think I saw it was like a couple of years after that, and I was like, oh, okay, you I got, got it. it. Yeah, <laughs> well done. Thank you. Were you watching Thank this you. all original run, Jesse? Yeah, I I literally news radio was the first show that I ever watched from beginning to end mm-hmm. on television. In fact, I guess it might be the only show. Because, I mean, these days, it, uh, guys, these days it's all about binge-watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have heard about binge-watching. No, no. Can you explain this to me? Yeah. Oh, wow, this is a new concept for yeah. me. Um, it's, you know, well, Game of Thrones and uh, House of Cards, uh, binge-watching. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> fidget spinners. <laughs> fidget spinners. You got it, yeah, Jason. Okay, good. I binge-watched um, the hell no, out of I fidget mean, like, spinners. I was, uh, I was a big Phil Hartman fan. Mm-hmm. I was a big Kids in the Hall fan. Um, and so when I heard about this show from like a promo that ran in Seinfeld or whatever, I made it appointment viewing to watch the pilot and watched it every week. Yeah. My entire, the run basically coincides with my high school years. Wow. Makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, I watched it every week without fail, no matter what weird night they moved it to. Oh God. It was like the special... I mean, there's something magical. I didn't didn't have cable, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something magical about the fact that everyone watched Seinfeld or that many, many, many people watched Seinfeld, mm-hmm. that it was a, such sure. a brilliant and weird show, but also a smash hit show and kind of the last great smash hit show like that. Mm-hmm. I think you probably say that of The Simpsons, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though maybe The Simpsons is more of like a pe- different people get it on different levels situation. Sure. Sure. But like uh, news radio was like my special show. Right. Like it was Mm -hmm. the show that I don't know if you guys relate to this, but when it was on TV, 
it's not like all my friends watched news radio. No, no, no. Or yeah. um, it was a, you know, it, it was always a, a just on the margin of being canceled. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I watched it without fail. You, you know, is it, uh, I really got into it because my local Fox affiliate, wherever it was at, was uh, it started like syndicating it and. Because I remember I watched episode here and there, but they did move it a lot. And then finally for that final season, I do remember having trouble watching the new episodes because they did keep moving it. But I kept finding it. But it was it was a challenge. Yeah, it was but. a nightmare. I mean, it was crazy. I And this was, you know, this was before this was before the Internet. I don't know yeah. if you guys can. You guys are probably busy using your smartphones, uh, tapping on. <laughs> Using Snapchat, mm-hmm. Twitter with the president, these clowns in Congress, fidget, fidget spinners. Um, I like I, I you ha- I had to look up the TV listings to follow where it went, and I was mm-hmm. very lucky actually. It's kind of an amazing. It was kind of a, a a a weirdly important thing in my life was that my father subscribed to the San Francisco Examiner, which was the second biggest newspaper in san francisco mm-hmm. is now not even anything oh. um, i think it exists but all, all you know it's like one of those free newspapers they hand you on the train or something sure. somebody bought the name and the television writer for the san francisco examiner was a guy named tim goodman tim goodman mm-hmm. who is uh now i think he writes for the hollywood reporter um but he was a at the time very young maybe he's a gen x guy i'm going to guess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh very young television uh writer and reviewer and a big news radio booster all the way through that's awesome um nice. and the very rare television critic especially back then who enjoyed comedy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically yeah um or who wasn't dumb as a rock i just there was yeah. a i think we live in uh, we live not only in the golden age of television but in the golden age of television criticism that's probably true we forget that there was a time when television critics were just people that told you to watch Benson or whatever. <laughs> no offense to Benson. There's sure, a lot sure. of good things about Benson. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? And yeah. the fact that he could identify why it was important that the guy from the kids in the hall was on this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thing was a big deal in a daily newspaper critic. And I've like emailed with Tim Goodman as Tim Goodman as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say, like I told him, you know, like you know, when I was a teenager, I, I used to watch Sports Night and News Radio, and um, you know, I used to follow when you would write about it in your column because he had a column in addition to doing the reviews, and it really meant a lot to me because everyone wrote about Seinfeld or sure. whatever, mm-hmm. sure. And I didn't have get like Entertainment Weekly, and the, you know. I was on Usenet to try and figure out what day of the week it was on. Right. Yeah. There's so, a lot of panic in looking at those old those news groups. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So an, an amazing uh, an amazing thing that that helped me stay with the show that whole time. But you know, like I don't think I there was any Thirty Rock. I mm-hmm. guess maybe. Mm-hmm. By the, yeah, I think I probably was still watching it on TV by mm-hmm. the end of Thirty Rock. But yeah. Like besides that. Hard to think of anything that I watched so fully from the first to the last. And you're one of the few. I mean, because I don't know when I latched on. I always like to act like I saw it from the very beginning. There's no way. There's absolutely no way I could have. And then I, I've, I've gone through exactly what you said. I've gone through the old newspaper archives and looked up, you know, early, like, 
you should watch this pilot, you should watch this pilot, and then some people just just did not fucking get it. Yeah. Like, feel, like uh, I was talking about that one where it's like, it's filled with all your typical newsroom stereotypes. This one, this one, this one. And the gay news reporter, which was referring to a- Andy Dick's character <laughs> as though it were supposed to assume that he was a homosexual, mm-hmm. which is- Which is just wrong is, in itself. It's uh, false. He's obviously would, yeah. pansexual. Exactly. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> Especially later on, once he's going down the big muddy with. Well, oh my God, that's one of my favorites too. But <laughs> ah! just when he's wearing the the overalls and the straw hat. Good Can job. I ask you guys an yes. Andy Dick question? Uh, I don't know how into oh, no. Andy Dick you guys get, but um, uh huh. I first of all, I want to say uh huh that. I love Andy Dick on news radio so much. Like yep. I think he is so wonderful on the show. Like, yeah. Just one of the best television characterizations in a sitcom that has ever existed. Absolutely. Um, there's this thing that uh, at ASCAT at the UCB <laughs> I knew this was that come they up. do. Have you guys talked about this? <laughs> no, on the show I've heard before? you talk about it, not on here. No. Okay. So uh-huh. uh, so the UCB guys came to our thing Max FunCon a couple of years ago to do ASCAT mm-hmm. uh, with the great Andy Richter as the monologist. Awesome. And ASCAT is their improvised, their long form improv show that is based on. Um, essentially what comes of a conversation that they have with the audience at the top of the show. And one of the things they'll often do is they'll come out and poll the audience on something. And this is something that from talking to Matt Besser and Matt Walsh afterwards, I found they've done in a number of contexts. But they did this particular poll at Max FunCon where they asked, first they asked the audience, which do you think there will be more of in here? People who have had an inappropriate sexual experience of some kind with Andy Dick, like him hitting on them awkwardly or touching them inappropriately or something like that, Mm -hmm. or people who have ridden on elephants. (laughs) And they were like, we think you may be surprised with the results. So they took a poll and people, I think the audience went for ridden on elephants. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in a crowd of Max FunCon's maybe 200, 250 people, uh-huh. um, in the crowd that size, a very small crowd, there were three people who had been hit on inappropriately by Andy Dick and two people who had ridden on elephants. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and the people, who, the people who had been hit on by Andy Dick, they did not even work in the entertainment industry. Like, I want to wow. make it clear, these wow. were not, like, comedy professionals one of them was in Austin, Texas, I remember, Holy just shit. walking down the street. He had, like, whistled at them. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, uh, Andy Dick is really something. Well, you know, I will just a- say to that, I really like Bill Cosby on The Cosby Show. That's no, all I Bill can Cosby say. Bill Cosby on The Cosby Show is really amazing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, people seem to People seem to think Andy Dick is a—it's is a. It's not about him being a bad human being, just mm-hmm. him being a mess. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does some bad human being things. Though. Yeah, you know. that's true. He has. I I, yes. I can't really remember who it was, but uh, wasn't it had it had to be within the past year. I actually remember going to a party and someone was explaining that they were at their apartment and they were having a house party, and then Andy Dick was there. He oh yeah, that a, was Brock on our podcast. That was Brock. Yeah, it was. Oh. Well, yeah. there, you heard it too. Oh. I did. I was there for that. <laughs> when he said he, he got to punch him. That's right. Yeah, he had to punch him to get him oh. out of the, out of the. Uh, I mean, it, I, I, he said got to. I don't know that that would be how I would express it. No, but no, yeah, no, no, no. you know, had to. Well, it sounds like he did. Well, it wasn't. He was just. He was just kind of a mess at the party. He was. It didn't sound like he was like doing anything. Make no mistake, Brock was pleased at the opportunity. <laughs> what was what what was Andy Dick wonderful on lately? Uh, so one of those auteur sitcoms, Master of None or something like that. Oh, I don't know. 
Oh, I'm way behind on the things. Love. I think it was on Love. Oh, really? I think he did. With, he had an episode of Love, and I just thought, man, Andy Dick really is yes. great. He's a great comic actor. Of course he is, yeah. And he sort of played a version of himself like a messed up. In fact, he may have literally been playing himself. Okay. Um, but he is such a, he has such a, an amazing energy, and he's so skilled mm-hmm. at doing that dumb stuff. I mean, one of the things that's great about this episode, right, is <laughs> the way that the way that it opens with Phil Hartman doing Andy Dick stuff. Having to mimic and perfectly, perfectly right. mimic Matthews bullshit because he's got. I mean, uh, just to give people an idea of the arc at this point, Matthews been fired because of the efficiency expert played by uh, Lauren Graham. Uh, and, did I say Lauren Graham? Yes, yeah. Lauren Graham. And uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I'm I'm right on board with you there. I'm still on board with the, with the Lauren Graham train. And I want to be clear. <laughs> I can't stand the Gilmore Girls. Sure. I wish it all the best and uh-huh. respect it immensely, mm. but can't bear to watch it. Sure. Uh, and have had a lot of experience with it because my wife watched the whole thing from oh, beginning okay. to end. Mm. Um, and I understand I'm not opposed to you liking it, but for me, mm-hmm. it is a horrible nightmare. Yeah, I've never but God, gone through an episode. Lauren Graham. She's oh, a delight. Oh, my God. She's delightful. She's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm beguiling. All about, all about parenthood, Lauren Graham. Yeah, I have. I'm behind on everything. 13 year old me or 14 year When did this episode end? 97. 97. 16 year old me. Uh huh. Uh, so entranced by the Maura Tierney Lauren Graham combination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, just <laughs> cold sweat. I, I thought that I thought sweat. that might come up because I feel like that's unavoidable. That's yeah. just the right age. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, she she's wonderful in this, and but yeah, no. To go back to what you're saying, uh, if you like stern but also somewhat maternal brunettes, well, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. that's that's what's going to happen. Who she also has, first of all, yeah. She's yeah. got a, she's got a couple great moments in this one too. Yeah. Even though she's like she's just such a side character. We don't have the principal from Breakfast Club in this one. He's in one of them too. Uh, one of her arcs. Uh, one one of the four or five episodes she's. There's in. some good people in this episode. I mean, we're gonna people. get in. You, it's it, this is an episode where not only do you get guest star Lauren Graham, uh-huh. the two throwaway characters mm-hmm. are Dave Gruber Allen yep. and Brian Posehn. Brian Posehn, and in and the background, Ron, Ron Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> he, Ron Jeremy is at the book reading. I did not see that. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Uh, do you know what? By the way, what Andy Dick did right before news radio and quit to do news radio? Um, heroin. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like a good. Setup. No, that was good. That was good. Uh, no, but he was going to be Maxwell Smart's son. Oh, and it was real bad. Uh, yeah. He was great in it. He was really great in it. But they, they like, they just took that entire show and gave him like the opening of every episode to play with. I think is what happened. Oh. Uh, except for this one, where of course Bill falls backward in a chair and then <laughs> seems to actually start to really channel him as he after. really did that well like he looks like nervous like at, like Andy Dick would when he's falling in the chair like it's just I, I think there's something wrong with his chair and then just <laughs> it just like, falls over oh. and then the second time it's coffee it's, it's beautiful just... it's yeah uh, so it opens with a meeting where everyone has to switch mm-hmm. places for some made up reason mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everyone pretends to be each other mm-hmm. most notably Phil Hartman f- falling over in a Matthew like manner yes and uh, Lauren Graham's character, the efficiency expert, has announces that she's going to make everyone take a test. Uh huh. Which we find out is a polygraph test. Yes. It was um, fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She no, she's fun. she's way too way too blissfully happy about every little thing that she's introducing to everybody. Mm-hmm. She's a delight. She's adorable, and that's what makes her just so creepy to everybody. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I was. Creeped I out, loved. But... I loved the like late motif of every episode she was on. 
where she wants to be friends with Maura Tierney, but Maura Tierney won't be uh-huh. friends with her. Yeah. But everyone there just assumes that they're, they're best already friends. best friends <laughs> just because they're both they're both like homework doers. Uh huh. Yeah, no, that's uh, they. They seem like they're just meant to be. Even Dave. Uh huh. <laughs> I like any. I like any storyline where uh, Dave gets to like uh, be mad at Maura Tierney for being too good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like anything where Dave Foley gets to be the, like the, on the naughty team. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh huh. I, I I like so often when she's. It's just so obvious how much smarter she is than he. Yeah. Than he, <laughs> and uh, especially when she becomes the boss. Or arcade, which is going to come up every episode because it's my absolute absolute favorite episode of that that show. Uh, yeah, I, I love when that dynamic changes. Yes, Alan, I'm sorry, I was interrupting you. I just lost my train of thought. But uh-huh. uh huh. Um, so it sets we, up it sets up this story, right? Yeah. The story is everyone has to take uh, everyone has to take a polygraph test. Mm-hmm. The B story is. Mr. James is sitting at Dave's desk. I had forgot. I hadn't watched news radio in a long time. Mm-hmm. I forgot that Mr. James is always always in sitting Dave's office. In, yeah, sitting at Dave's desk mm-hmm. when Dave comes in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this one has a gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have this in your extensive notes, but a gorgeous mm-hmm. gag, which is Dave comes into Mr. James's <laughs> desk. Mr. James is uh, sitting there, and the first thing Mr. James says to Dave is. Where's that nice picture of your mother that used to be in your desk? <laughs> Can and, you believe somebody stole it? And Mr. James says, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wistfully. So just, oh, uh, there's that, that is one of my favorite subplots of this whole, like, it would just, like, little. Because eventually, by season five, he's at his Dave's mom's house. Yeah, at some he's point. hiding out. Yeah. Well, he's hiding out, yeah. being D.B. Cooper. I mean, <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, so the story that's revealed in that scene uh-huh. is the titular story, which is. Uh, Mr. James has written a failed business book mm-hmm. called Mr. Uh, called uh, Jimmy James Capitalist Lion, Lion Capitalist Tamer. Lion Tamer, which mm-hmm. has been translated into Japanese and become a smash hit. So he's bringing it back mm-hmm. to the United States yes. as translated to English from the Japanese. Mm-hmm. To Jimmy James, we don't find that out yet, do we? It doesn't matter. It's a it very doesn't. stupid. Yeah. Oh yeah. What a, I mean like I, <laughs> I don't think there were other there certainly weren't other sitcoms I was watching mm-hmm. except for maybe like late Seinfeld mm-hmm. where something that silly like well, that like absurdly fantastical just taken completely on its face is just the premise of like Dharma and Greg weren't doing anything that goofy. Right. Yeah, I mean you've got well, SNL sketch writers turning their shit into full subplots on a sitcom. I think that might be the, one of the pieces of magic to this. Although, you know, you did say, I will point out on uh, We Got This, you did have a very good point that sitcoms, by and large, are about family. And I did like that point. And it kind of made me think about news radio differently because I don't always remember that. But that's actually a huge part of this episode because everybody, for no reason, wants Matthew to come back other than they're comfortable with Matthew. Because he's right. terrible at his job. He's but horrible. He's, he's, he's the little brother. But they love him to death. <laughs> everyone, lo- Everyone loves each other. And that is, I mean, like, one of the great things about news radio is that it does not betray its characters. So, like, as much as it is silly and goofy, and this is something that I feel uh, generally about 30 Rock, too, which is another one of my favorite shows, that people say is just a bunch of jokes. And Mm. it is. Sure. I mean, there's an absurd volume Mm -hmm. of jokes, and Mm -hmm. the tone is not realistic. But the jokes are driven by the characters. They're not driven by the joke. 
and they are true to the characters. They don't. Absolutely. They don't violate the. They don't violate the rules of the universe, and they don't violate the. You know the emotional stakes of a sitcom, which are modest, sure, but need to be there, right, mm-hmm. for it to mean anything. And that's what it's like on news radio. I mean, it's a very silly show. They had did a whole episode in space, uh-huh. but like they, uh, they all, you know, I think I I would presume it's Paul Sims doing uh, from having worked on Larry Sanders. Right. Everything that happens has an emotional reason that it is happening. And everything is driven by that emotion, even something really silly. Yeah, you know it's absolutely true. And I, I just, I think it gets fleshed out. The, the, the dumbness does get fleshed out by, I don't know. I, you know, actually, Josh Lieb did tweet me back to. I wanted to know what the roots of the capitalist Lyman Tamer whole, like where he <laughs> came up with it, because everybody said all that bullshit is all, all Josh Lieb. That is, he came up with all the stupid fake translations. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the best. So I, I, I'll pull that out in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like our grand finale, right? It, it, it yeah, is. It, it, there's, well, that is well, as far as yeah, but his explanation's pretty, oh, pretty solid. He paid turns the page. Oh, God, that's, so <laughs> that's I, what I don't get. Is I, I just don't. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just. Uh, it could be my nostalgia just flavoring it, but. There are too many good people at once on the same show. Like, I'm okay with Seinfeld. Seinfeld's <laughs> fine. But Jerry Seinfeld's not an actor, never will be an actor. He's not an actor. He's not. This is filled with just brilliant actors that all got sucked into the... I mean, am I wrong about Jerry Seinfeld not being an actor? Well, I'm not going to publicly say I, that. In case I, I will. Know, He's I, not an actor. <laughs> I like I like Jerry Seinfeld on Seinfeld. Yeah. I, I am probably 90th percentile on liking Jerry Seinfeld mm-hmm. as an actor on Jerry Seinfeld. I think that his weird uh his weird performance reflects his character's particular weirdness which is mm-hmm. a kind of the a kind of emotional cage that his character lives in sure. which I think is probably just what Jerry Seinfeld is like in real life if mm-hmm. if my many viewings of comedians in cars right. and coffee seem to be true mm-hmm. if what I've inferred from them is true then mm-hmm. he just lives in a an emotional cage, even more powerful than the one I live in. <laughs> um, you know, this is definitely a pot calling the kettle black situation. But, <laughs> but yes, no, he is, and certainly not compared to the other three actors on Seinfeld, all of whom are, you know, among the best actors in a sitcom ever. Sure. Mm-hmm. Although I guess the more apt comparison would be Friends, because Friends came out about the same time, and they were literally the Friends cast was sitting at the pilot taping. See, and apparently they were jealous, which is funny to well, me. Well, there, there's a, there's a. Jealous Natural. of the fact that the, everyone on Seinfeld was better than them? No, they were at the pilot taping a news radio. Oh. Yes. They were jealous of the fact that everyone on news radio was funnier than you them? You know, see, that's my thought. That's well, my thought. They, they just, everyone on news radio, they, they just have, besides, you know, we mentioned family, but they just, there's that chemistry that doesn't always work for uh, all actors, but it seemed to work for every actor working with other every actor. And then there's also... Uh, Everyone just looks like they're having fun, which yeah, you don't necessarily get on every show. You you know you get that on Friends, but you I mean you don't? I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think I think that news radio is <laughs> an incredible. I mean, if you guys just want to spend the rest of the time slagging on Friends, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> I do. No, you I'm you I heard can't. you heard me deciding best sitcom of the '90s on uh-huh. We Got This, uh, our my sister show at Maximum Fun, mm. uh, and you did not have to endure the uh, the continuing Facebook message storm. Oh no! Um, that, oh no! That precipitated. <laughs> um, but yeah, like some people on 
I think this distinguishing characteristic of the people on news radio is that it is a cast that was obviously chosen on the basis of who is funny. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that there are some people on the show who are uh, more funny than they are great actors. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I probably maybe it's possible Candy Alexander is maybe a better actress than she is funny, although she's sure. very funny. Yeah. Uh, but she's a really gifted dramatic actress as well. Mm -hmm. um, but like relative to like Friends or something like that, where friends is like who would you like aspire to be friends with most uh -huh. i guess not me but right i guess i would probably aspire to be friends with matthew i don't know i don't know what i was thinking <laughs> watching the show as a 15 year old when everyone else was watching friends yeah i would have tried to be friends with lisa but that's just more or less the crush thing. i would have yeah. thought i was dave <laughs> yeah and I definitely was like matthew. romantic friends the 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 thing that's amazing to me about news radio is there are a lot of different tones in the cast sure. that they managed very well. Yeah. Um I think that probably was part of why it was never a grand success. Yeah. Was because if you were watching it for the first time and you weren't necessarily a really sophisticated comedy consumer, mm -hmm. um you might be a little alienated because you're not sure what the tone of the show is. You're like, you would want it to be a more straightforward thing. Mm. The way that Friends is, everyone on Friends is on this very on the same page mm -hmm. in terms of what kind of thing they're doing. Sure. There's obviously they're playing different characters and, and like, I think the best thing about Friends is the cast. I think there's a lot of great performances sure. on Friends. But, um, like, news radio, there is. Uh, there are a variety of tones there, and mm -hmm. they marry them very well. They play very well together. Yeah. Um, but it is a big range, mm -hmm. you know, from Matthew to Phil Hartman to Dave to Candy Alexander. You know, they're all like they're all big. Mm -hmm. They're all broad for sitcom performances, mm -hmm. or many of them. It's not true. Maura Tierney is not very no, broad. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, Dave isn't even particularly broad. Not necessarily. But yeah, so it's a, it's you hard. know, like normally you'd have like four regulars and one weird neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and you're making me think, uh, and again, I am not here to slag on Friends, but when I my memory of Friends is always that it does feel like the same comic strip every week. It seems like the f same three frames in news radio to me. I never got comfortable. I got comfortable in it because I love it, but never got so comfortable that the show ever felt predictable at all. Right. And that is and being predictable to some extent is the premise of a sitcom. Of course. Well, you knew they were going to go to space. I mean, that yeah. was yeah. That yeah. Everybody Everybody saw that coming. Yeah. At some point there would be a Titanic episode. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh -huh. We all knew that. <laughs> but I, I some some of my favorite sitcoms there's a comfort in watching them because I know not just cuz I've seen it before, but there is a but I don't including great ones. Cheers maybe. Uh, oh yeah. yeah Cheers yeah. would probably be the perfect example. And That's Cheers 100%. was when these shows were in development, Cheers was the gold standard, right? Like yep. Cheers was what had this is what a sitcom is and will be. Yeah. It's yeah. probably still on the air then. It ran into the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um when these shows were when these shows first started, what 93, 94? Yeah, it uh, yeah, Maybe this show started in 95. It just ended, but it was obviously still fresh in everybody's yeah, memory. Yeah, like but. Cheers is like the perfect everything resets to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, sitcom. I mean, obviously, there's a couple of meta narratives with the romances, but mm -hmm. like generally speaking, it really is. Uh, you can expect everyone to say Norm when Norm comes through. Yeah. Uh, show, and Friends, which I think is, 
is narratively very different from that because it's mm-hmm. very soapy for a uh, sitcom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of narrative in there, but yeah, like the jokes are the same jokes. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're Lisa not going to hear Kudrow is so great. I just she's a del- no, she's hilarious. Everyone knows Lisa Kudrow is the best, I, right? I think that's obvious. You know, Jennifer was... Aniston's underrated. She's actually a very good actor. She's got a, a kind of lost quality that I really like. I still really like Office Space. I think she's a delight. In that she's movie. really wonderful is. In that she's wonderful player. and a good girl. Wait, which yeah. one's a good girl? Good girl's a movie that she was in that she was really good. Did in. I miss that one? I think it's I missed that sad. one. It's a little sad. I think the best things is when she's sad. She's just a, she seems like a lonely person. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, she seems lonely to me. <laughs> <laughs> she's good at that. I, I wonder if I'm, what, I wonder if I'm supposed to say this. Uh, I will say, there. I want to know what the difference is when... Our good friend Jimmy Burroughs, our best friend Jimmy Burroughs. Mm-hmm. Jimmy. Uh, he's our good pal. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he sees news radio, because uh, he directs the pilot and several episodes of that show, and he also directs the pilot, several episodes, most episodes of Friends, uh, I know that he was particularly invested in the cast of Friends. And I want to know to him what it was. It's just like, this works. I've locked into this immediately. Whereas news radio, he still directed several of the episodes, but I wonder if it was like more of an art piece to him. We didn't get to well, ask him that, but I. I well, I don't know if it has to do because he wanted uh, he didn't want Dave and Lisa to get together like so fast. Sure, he wanted it to be more of a Sam and Diane and you know news radio guys. And were that's like, what everybody wanted. Yeah, yeah. we're like no, no, we don't want to fall into that same thing that everybody else does. Something but. interesting to me about uh, Jimmy Burroughs, who's also my close personal friend because mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. was on my show Bullseye one time, uh-huh. um, is the thing that he seems to be proud and proudest of mm-hmm. is concocting business. Yeah. He is so, when I interviewed him, he really, I mean, he said it very explicitly that like the thing he's proudest of Mm -hmm. as a sitcom director and the thing that he thinks he's good at is coming up with business. Like interesting. Giving somebody a funny thing to do. (laughs) Like what if you do it and then you like spill the coffee or whatever. Right. To him, that's his gift. And it's funny because he is the great, unquestionably the greatest sitcom director of all time. Of course. And I'm sure that if you asked the people... Uh, if you went to the Taj Mahal and asked the creators of Friends, mm-hmm. um, what they live at the Taj Mahal, by the way, I didn't know that. But. Um, uh, and you asked them like, what's special about Jimmy Burroughs? He, they probably wouldn't say, oh, he comes up with a good thing for someone to do with a coffee cup. He, he, sure, right. but to him, that's what he's good at. I and you would think like, so much news radio has a relatively large amount of business of compared to does. Friends. There's a lot of business on news radio. Mm-hmm. Like Matthew's always doing business. Phil Hartman's often doing business. Oh. Dave does a lot of business, mm-hmm. you know? Everybody is acting. I mean, like, I uh, we've dropped off of this for a while, but early on we were really picking apart what everybody was doing in the background. Everybody was acting their little heart out in yeah. every fucking scene. Like, yeah. uh, Beth would just be sitting there just typing away. She's a fucking underappreciated comic actress mm-hmm. just in general. She really is. And I love that they pulled from stage, too. They pulled from stage, mostly from sketch. I don't know where they got... More Tierney, actually. I don't know what she was doing before this. She might have just straight auditioned for it. But everybody else, they pulled. She lived in my heart. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then, then she was on the screen, my and your teenage dreams heart. came true. Yeah. That's that's a delight. Uh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I don't, and I don't. But yeah, every, everybody, as you say, had their own particular rhythm or whatever it was. That and it's amazing to think. I mean, like when you think of them putting together all of these brilliantly funny people of various kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to me. Well, there's two things. I mean, there's Candy Alexander was a a dancer. Yeah. 
Like yeah. Candy Alexander was a choreographer, a professional choreographer. She's who in some became Prince music videos and shit. Yeah. But um, but she uh, she obviously was like they were like we need somebody who plays strong enough for Phil Hartman mm-hmm. to bounce off of yeah because uh, it can't just it can't be Dave Foley because Dave Foley's not going to be tough enough his on screen persona is not right. you know we need somebody that can that can put Phil Hartman back in his place yeah but I think it's amazing that one of the funniest people ever and I'm sure you've talked about this a thousand a thousand times but I I wonder what it was about um Ray Romano that I was just going to say yeah. didn't work uh and uh Joe Rogan did work because mm-hmm. Joe Rogan is brilliant on news radio uh uh-huh. um Ray Romano ended up and it may just be that he wasn't then but he ended up becoming a really wonderful actor yeah um, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm a big. I was a big Men of a Certain Age fan, so I'm really. <laughs> I, I actually I love that show. Myself. Uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. He was. Yeah. He's also great in The Big Sick in theaters now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like Ray Romano is as funny as a person could be. Sure. In my opinion, yeah. like he's a ten on the funniness scale, yeah. um, and. There was something that he couldn't, that was wrong about the mix. And they so many different things. I mean, I guess it was just that that one, it was just the, that classic thing of like, it's not that you're bad, it's that you're wrong. Yeah, and he, he, he said he didn't feel right the entire time. And that could be him rewriting it, but he said he didn't feel right the whole I time. I feel like mm-hmm. having interviewed him and being a fan of his for a long time, I think he probably doesn't ever feel right in any context. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I mean that's that's, that's... how he's best, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. and that character is even when Greg Lee played the character on the the sitcom on on the pilot of the show, Greg Lee from Carmen Sandiego. Right. Uh, the character's been a little brash the whole time. I can't. I yeah. See, Ray Romano is remotely brash. Although I haven't seen the new uh, Get Shorty show, but I don't know. That's the first thing that pops into my head. He's too macho. Yeah. In both both character characterizations, were super macho. Can I ask you guys a question about doing a news radio podcast? Yes. Are you guys afraid of Joe Rogan at all? Yep. Yeah. However, okay. however, you know, I mean, we do talk shit about him thinking that moon landing is fake. Uh-huh. Uh, and then people recently have said on Twitter, oh, he, he uh, you know, he dismissed it. He doesn't feel that way. And I'm like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'd love to have him on the show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm physically afraid of him. Yes, 100%. Because he knows karate. He's a giant and he, he knows karate. Yeah. And he's also a podcasting giant. So, you know, like, it's you're, you're scared of him all over. There's only one person from the show won't have on. He's not that person. I'll just say that. Yeah. I'd like to have him on, but yes, 100%. It's Phil Hartman. It's Phil Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he died tragically. Oh, is that? Uh, did I? <laughs> wait a minute. Uh Okay, and I know I've heard you talk about this too. You also enjoy season five. I'm sorry, we're just totally off the rails here, but like, and uh, I think people unfairly shit on John Lovitz for yeah. season five. In a, in a little bit, we'll all be auditioning for community <laughs> theater productions of this episode to play the part of Jimmy James. I'm sure. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I love the fifth season. I mean, I think I like. I feel like the fifth season of the show which may have in part been completed like just to get them to syndication yeah, um, so that everyone would get a check mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives um, or that that was sort of the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm putting words into their the mouths of the creators of this sh- program, but that's my guess. Mm-hmm. Let, uh, let me ask you a question about season five because you, yeah. you talk, you love Johnny Johnson, I do too. Uh, yeah. 
Do you think if uh, if the Bill character was still there for that last season, do you think he would have been able to also exist with in the same world? Do you think they would have brought? You him mean in? like in addition to John Lovitz? Yeah. Like if John Lovitz well, had been added? Not not than... John Lovitz. Like uh, if uh, Patrick Warburton would that a recurring character have worked with? Oh, wow. Bill there as well. This Didn't, is what I always wonder because he seems like he fills that void. Did Warburton make an appearance before season five? Mm-mm. I felt like no, no. Um, I. It's because he has two arcs on the show. That's why. He oh God. Yeah, he has two arcs completely. So I want to say I. I first of all, before I offer any opinions on this matter, mm-hmm. as with my previous Gilmore Girls situation, mm-hmm. <laughs> my CYA situation. Uh huh. I want to be absolutely clear that my opinion is mine and mine alone, and I don't begrudge anyone else their opinion. I also want to be clear that I love Phil Hartman as much as you do, okay? So sure. this is not a contest, and I don't mean you two. Sure. I mean you, the listener. <laughs> but like, also This is not too. a contest between <laughs> you and me as to who loves Phil Hartman more because we both love <laughs> Phil Hartman the maximum amount. Uh-huh. Everyone agrees Phil Hartman's one of the greatest ever. He's totally amazing, and it's horrible that he died in tragic circumstances. Uh-huh. So we can take all of that as read. We all love Phil Hartman. He was perhaps the best of a brilliant cast, but everyone else is also brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So let's say that. Yes. Now. There's a lot of brilliant people on the show. Uh-huh. There wasn't room for the number of people that they already had mm-hmm. to all be used to the amount of brilliantness that they could be used. Mm-hmm. Um, losing one of those people did not make it so that the chemistry mix failed. Um, and they added another brilliantly hilarious person in John Lovitz. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there are people out there who just don't like John Lovitz. Um, I think John Lovitz is consistently spectacularly hilarious. Yeah, I I love John Lovitz. I think John Lovitz is so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't know if I would enjoy like if I went to see his stand up show right now. I don't know if I would enjoy Ooh, that. Right. I'm not going to go that far. Uh huh. I may. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, maybe he's like Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald stand up still solid it's, gold. I don't know how, but yeah. Yeah, you're like, how's this sixty year old man still? How, what sixty year old white man is funny? <laughs> um, uh. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, John John Lovitz was amazing, and uh, you know, I don't think there's anything on television that I've ever laughed at more. Than Johnny Johnson. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, Johnny it's Johnson. Hard. I think, I mean, on Jordan Jesse Go, my comedy show, <laughs> uh, Jordan and I, my co host, and we've been doing this show for 10 years together, mm-hmm. and we worked together for almost 10 years previous to that mm-hmm. through college. And like when we were 19 and 18 years old, the thing that bonded us together uh, more than anything else was our appreciation of Patrick Warburton. <laughs> Uh, like Jordan was a huge uh, Disney's Hercules fan, <laughs> which I watched at his insistence, and is kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun movie. Um, I don't love it quite as much as he does. Of course, I was a big fan of that movie, that black and white noir farce that he stars in, where he plays a used car salesman. I have no idea what uh, that is. It's very is funny, that? Patrick Warburton. I can't think of what it's called right now. And Casey, for some reason, is not looking it up. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not paying him enough. Um, but uh, that's really funny. But I just love I just love Patrick Warburton. I, his shtick is funny to me every time, without exception. He could. I will laugh. I will sit and watch him do 
car insurance commercials or whatever yeah. and just love it. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, yes, I love this car insurance commercial. He's half the reason. The new Lemony Snicket was really good. He's yeah. really, really great. And I'm, uh, I am I met, had him on my show years ago mm-hmm. at my, when I still did my show at the house. Um, so now we're in my office, but I used to do interviews for my nationally syndicated public radio show in my be- second bedroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is... A hundred percent that guy. I love that so much. He's super nice. Yeah. Like, I want to be really clear. He's not a monster like <laughs> right, his right. characters sometimes are. Right. Uh, but, like, he is 1,000% a bro dad. I love like, it. He has, like, five children, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, this weekend we're going to, you know, we're we're going to hang out at the pool and do some barbecues. <laughs> you know, like, like that's <laughs> all. It? Like, yeah, uh, my kid's in a soccer league. He loves Pearl Jam. Be, He's a Pearl Jam. I lover, saw too. him in line at the Pearl Jam at the Will Call trying to get tickets uh, along with me. Well, he was in line over, but I was like, <gasps> Dave, uh, I love. <laughs> ah, jeez. Ah. <laughs> I love Pearl Jam. Jeremy's spoken. Yeah. Yeah, Dave. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Jeremy's spoken, Dave. That's just him saying Dave is enough to yes. give me, like, I can't him stop saying smiling Dave about is it. the best thing ever. <laughs> Although I do love when Andre I mean, and Jesse Dave. go, you guys did ten, me- 10 minutes of that, Dave. which is my favorite fucking Dave. thing. Dave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dave. Yeah. I'm evil. Dave. Yeah. I'm evil. Dave. I'm the king of the hobos. When you became king of the hobos. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I forgot for a minute that he became king of the hobos. He went away, and while he was gone, after they crushed him the first time, in between his two arcs, he off-screen became king of the hobos and returned as the king of the hobos. I want to see the TV movie background on that. I do, too. Dave, I'm king of the hobos. They made me their king. The hobos made me their king, Dave. Let's admit it. If any of us are exhausted at any point, that goes through our head. It just, ah, jeez. Yep. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> He's also him and Lisa are married by Paul F. Tompkins. That should be pointed out. Paul F. Tompkins one appearance on news radio. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like all of the. It was obvious that like whoever was casting miscellaneous parts oh, on yeah. news radio was not like a regular sitcom casting agent. It was no. just like it was just Paul Sims or something. Mm-hmm. Some guy or lady at news yeah. radio who was just a comedy person yeah. who was just getting their friends jobs. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Or or just thinking of like who's the coolest person we could get like mm-hmm. and just getting Chuck D to do it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's an awkward episode but he's he's fine on it. Yeah, yeah like Bob Odenkirk's on there. All those Mr. Sh- all those Mr. Show Everybody. people show up and th- those were all things that I knew nothing about when I was watching the show. Me neither. That I only realized after I went to college and my friend Gene brought home bootleg VHS tapes of awesome. all of the episodes of Mr. Show and Tenacious D. And then I was like, oh, that's a guy that had that one episode of <laughs> News Radio. <laughs> yep. To every single person on the internet. Yeah, I think this is my exposure to Pat Oswalt. Yep. And to Paul F. Tompkins. Yep. And to David Cross. Although yep. David Cross had a really... As dumb as Just Shoot Me was, he had a really funny part on that show. It was a dumb show, but he was really good on it. There's some good things I, about I'm, I'll, You know what? I like Laura San Giacomo. Yep. I think me she's too. great. Well, I had a crush on her, too. Well, she's yeah. fine as fuck, too. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, no, I think sure she's she a really very good funny. comic actress. Like, actress. like, I think she really does a great job. I need to revisit, because I do think I was mostly concentrating on the former. Yeah. Like, just as a young It man. is a dumb show, though, I think. It's very I think dumb. it's a dumb show with some really good people it's got, it. It's, I it's mean, got some fun moments in it. Let's so. write a sitcom around David 
Spade's snark was really what it felt like. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, David Spade's funny. He's fun. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a delightful young man. Um, uh, real class act, as far as I can tell. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, real peach. A real peach. So let's just cut to the chase. Wait, the, can the I tell you something about show. David Spade before we yes. cut to yes, the chase? Please. Yes, please. Just like so, my, I do this show called Judge John Hodgman mm-hmm. with John Hodgman, mm-hmm. and when John Hodgman was the spokesman for Apple computers or the anti-spokesman for Apple computers, sure. yeah. uh, he got to work with. Uh, Patrick Warburton once, by the way. God damn it. Um, but anyway, when he was the anti-spokesman for Apple computers, they would shoot the ads in Los Angeles and John lived in New York. And after the first couple were successful, John could kind of dictate his terms. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, he couldn't dictate a salary probably, but mm-hmm. like perks-wise, he could get whatever he needed. Sure. So he started flying, not coach, and started staying every time he was shooting the commercials at the Chateau Marmont. Okay, which is a sort of legendary show business restaurant. Sure. I mean, a uh, hotel and restaurant in in L.A. Sure. where you have to like be on a list to walk in the door. Speaking mm-hmm. of tragic deaths, yeah, Just exactly. Saying. Home, of, home of numerous tragic deaths. Mm-hmm. I think several other tragic deaths yeah. as well. Um, and so when Hodgman would be in town, we were friends. This may have, this was even before Judge Sean Hodgman started. Um, I would go. He would be like, "I'm staying at the Chateau." come visit me and we'll have dinner, right? Mm -hmm. I have to get up early for a commercial shoot, but Mm -hmm. come over here. And so I'd go over there. And the first time that I went, I had never been, I'd lived in Los Angeles for a couple of years by then, but had never like experienced Los Angeles. Like the things, the joke things. Mm -hmm. Like I had never been inside the movie, The Player. Um, (laughs) And uh, so I went and sat down with Hodgman. We're eating dinner and I realized uh, that at the sitting at the door was a giant group of people, uh, and at the head of the table was one of the Olsen twins. Mm-hmm. And then one table over was David Spade and two models. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew the and models was were like, coming. Yeah. I guess that's real. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I guess it's real. That's so funny. I've yeah. never been in there, and I feel deprived. Do you? Uh, no, I don't know. Not really. I don't One time, Hodgman would like call yeah. me and tell me like Chateau Marmont things that happened to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, one year he had been so he had been in um, he was in that movie. Uh, oh gosh, the stop motion animated Coraline. Coraline. Yeah, he's a delight. Man. He was in Coraline, and it had been nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. And it wasn't clear whether he was high enough on the call list to go to the to Oscars. Uh-huh. He was like right on that. He was like fourth on the call list yeah, for, yeah. for that movie. And he wasn't nominated. It was the movie as best animated or whatever. Right. So he booked a trip to L.A. just in case. And I think he didn't. I, I think he didn't end up going. Hmm. But I, I, I hung out with him after the Oscars, and we're just hanging out in the Chateau Marmont after the Oscars, and uh, just while we're standing there. Um, uh, what's her face? Carrie from An Education. Uh, uh, what's the name of the star of An? Uh, uh, I'm gonna leave you hanging because I don't know what you're talking about. If, if if only Casey were here. <laughs> Type it into the. You've, right now, the audience is like so mad at me for not remembering her last name. And they're She's mad at us so for wonderful no in that movie. About. She's such a great movie star. Carrie Mulligan. Okay. Carrie Mulligan walks in in her fucking Oscar dress like into the lobby of the hotel or into the lounge of the hotel mm-hmm. and just like glides over and sits down like literally the most beautiful human being on earth uh-huh. like 
the extent to which movie stars are beautiful in real life cannot be overstated. Like, you meet, like, an ugly person from TV, and you're mm-hmm. like, fuck, they're handsome in right. real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, uh, I say this as a not notably handsome person. Mm-hmm. Not handsome like you guys. Of course. Uh, like but, like, you meet, like, a guy who, like, plays, like, a schlubby neighbor on TV, and mm-hmm. you're like, fuck, this guy is, yeah. like, an eight and a half. Right. Right, right. Uh, you meet a person who's a ten on screen, and oh, you, yeah. like, can't believe they're real yeah. when you see them. And her, like, in a fucking Oscar dress, walking and sitting down. Oh, and God. One time Hodgman texted me, and he's he goes, like, he goes like I'm I, at the Chateau Mar- Marmont RN. Jeff Goldblum just sat down at piano is singing. <laughs> Holy shit! I love it. <laughs> have you ever seen anybody from this? Sh- well, wait. You must have interviewed people from News Radio. Who have Maybe I a interviewed? Paul Sims. Well, Maybe a... I actually um, I've never interviewed Paul Sims. Although sure. I tweeted at him to tell him how much I loved, liked, and admired him, mm-hmm. and he faved it. So that meant a lot to me. Yeah. Um, I have interviewed Dave Foley a couple of times. Uh, sure. But I actually met Dave Foley when I was working, when I was just out of college and working in San Francisco Sketchfest, uh, working for San Francisco Sketchfest, which is a comedy festival in San Francisco. And he came and did an event, and I was sort of the. There are three founders of the F- Sketchfest who work on it full time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and then they had hired me to kind of do leftover stuff. So I was like the publicist and drove people around and that kind of thing. And like man coordinated the volunteers, that sort of stuff. And I so I drove Dave around from five from picking him up at his hotel at four thirty in the morning to drive him to morning radio shows and drove him around oh, wow. for probably five hours and probably in my mom's car. <laughs> and um he it was I like I nerded out about it. Mm-hmm. And uh he absolutely could not have been lovelier. Like Aww. I, you know, like I waited like an hour or two to be sure. like, Dave. I think you should know that I've, I've genuinely, I watched every episode of News Radio from the first one, and I really love the kids in the hall, and I'm, you know, it's nice of you. And then he was like, he, we just like talked about News Radio. Like he, we oh, talked about God how God. fun it is to work with Patrick Warburton mm-hmm. <laughs> and like stuff like that. Yeah. Like I basically, literally, I mean, I probably, I had been doing my interview show for a while before then, so mm-hmm. I'm probably didn't say this literally directly uh-huh. but i basically was just like so what's it like to work with patrick warburton <laughs> why not i mean why not that's uh that's the and ultimate he, question uh, like he couldn't uh, have been lovely he never gets news radio questions right like i imagine that's the last thing he gets asked about he gets asked but about, he's about famous it's for that but i mean that's what he's famous for right yeah i mean Wait, like to Dave me Foley or patrick warburton that's the thing that, that's the thing I, of his that like if you have a network sitcom yeah. in the era of the network sitcom, yeah, that trumps everything in terms of being recognized for stuff, right? I would agree, but nobody brings this fucking show up, right? Like, you, I mean, which is again the only reason. Like, is anybody else doing a news radio? Pod? No, of course they're not. Like, it's just I knew that that wouldn't happen. Bugs Life, <laughs> yeah, the, that that actually would be the, the wrong thing guy. Is the wrong guy. the wrong guy is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, the wrong guy. But is, nobody knows what it is. The wrong guy is the black and white Patrick Warburton noir movie of Dave Foley's career. Yes, yeah, yes. absolutely. The one that nobody. <laughs> Yeah, knows no, about but nobody great. saw but is is a secretly a very good movie it's brilliant a very funny movie nice little cameo by the bare naked ladies i don't know why i had to mention that, <laughs> that was <laughs> i don't know why that was unnecessary wow. somehow we managed ah, to turn up the dorkitude <laughs> on this news radio podcast we're doing i'm so sorry i do what i can yeah Oof. i'm trying to think if i've met anybody through not podcasts from the show just vicky lewis but that was through my other podcast but i, I don't think, think i've it. i don't think i've interviewed 
any of the other cast members of the show ever. That's very odd because I've mm-hmm. been doing an an interview or two every week for the last now fifteen years. Yeah, fifteen plus years. I don't think any of them. They I, never had Stephen Root on. That's I've, we the tried one. to get Stephen Root a few times and failed. Yeah. So outside of Patrick Warburton, and never had John Lovitz on for that matter. Yeah. Um, wow. But I've had Dave on both solo and as a, a, with the kids in the hall, and uh, mm-hmm. he's been exceedingly grateful. I hear he's doing super well. I actually just uh, talked to <laughs> guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just talked to Kevin McDonald. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I'm a regular Tavy over here. <laughs> um, I, just talked to, I just talked to Kevin McDonald because he was on um, Jordan Jesse Go mm-hmm. this past week uh, as we record this. And um, he told me that uh, Dave has been clean and sober for a while yeah. mm-hmm. and is really doing good. And Jordan was telling me he saw Dave because he was just on uh, Jordan's sh- the show Jordan worked on at midnight. Yeah. Um, and that Dave was looking notably handsome. Well, see, I can't wait Ooh. to see him dress as a woman again to see if I... The test is if I still want to jerk off to right. it, then I know that yeah. he's in good shape. It's a good standard. Alan, have you met anybody from the show? <laughs> I... No, I haven't. No, Other than through the podcast. following me up with the jerking Candy off. Candy Alexander... <laughs> Candy Alexander only goes on CSI New York podcasts. <laughs> let's, let's let's tell her that's what the, the, this is. ER let's podcast that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, God damn it! She Both quit shows. the show because she hated it, right? I she didn't she, have a lot she, to work yeah, with. I don't I think. think. Like, there's so many times when she's like, she knew that the line was, "You want me to read this as a sassy black lady?" Like, right? And I mean, these guys, but all knew that they were a bunch of straight white dudes. Like, right. which is why there are a couple moments in this episode that I think are kind of questionable about Andrea. But like, uh, clearly have girlfriend issues. Uh, yeah, I think that was it. The material just wasn't there for yeah, her. Yeah, well, I'm under very reasonably. Yeah, yeah, she's. Fucking brilliant. Although her 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 they let Vicky Lewis is good. they let Vicky Lewis sing. How come Candy yeah, Alexander right? doesn't get to dance? I know. I know. <laughs> that would have been odd. But they got to let her sing White Wedding. So yeah, yeah. So you haven't. Your answer. Uh, I feel like I've met Andy Dick, but I probably mm, haven't. I, just I saw him that. once. I seen him once. I never. I didn't actually talk to him. I think yeah, I, 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 I would have avoided that at all costs. <laughs> Why did I meet Andy Dick? Because I oh, did no. meet Andy Dick one time. That's impossible. I think I was not just walking to. down the sidewalk in Austin. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but I feel like I met him backstage at something. He lives to be noticed. That yeah. is the energy he gives off, though. Yeah, like when I saw him coming out of a bar once, he was so loud and drunk. He wanted. There's nobody around, but he was hoping, and he got it. He got my attention. Well, I mean, if did like he ru- did he run up to you after that? No. No, I would have run. Like, ah. understand, like, not only is he a comedian, uh-huh. all comedians, and I'll include myself in this, although I'm not a stand, you can argue about whether I'm a comedian, but a comic performer of some kind. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, we all, the reason you do it is to is for attention, of right? Of course. But, like, to be the one who does the thing that literally physically hurts you yeah. in order to get attention. Yeah. Have you guys seen the Ooh. bit that... Um, this maybe is my favorite thing ever uh-huh. of any kind. Uh, the bit that they, they eventually did on Jimmy Kimmel with uh, Andy Dick and Dino Stamatopoulos. I, uh, I'm afraid to watch it. It is amazing. Have you? Do you know about I this? I don't know about this. So one. Andy Dick and Dino Stamatopoulos. Dino, of course, is a very legendary comedy writer who wrote for Mr. Show and wrote for many other Conan. amazing things, um, uh, like almost every. Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, helped create community and wrote mm-hmm. on that and his star burns on community. Um, so anyway, he uh, he and Andy Dick were a comedy duo and they had a duo act. And um, 
Andy Dick is a masochist, and uh, Dino Stamatopoulos is into that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that they did was a verbatim rendition of Who's On First, where Andy Dick is the dumb one. I don't remember who's Abbott and who's Costello. Andy Dick is the one who doesn't get it. Uh, but every time he gets something wrong, Dino Stamatopoulos hits him for real. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, on stage. <laughs> yeah. And they did it on they did it on Kimmel years and years, like when Kimmel was still live. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did that. They like come out and you know, brah, 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 brah. you know, they play like take me out to the ball game on the piano and yeah. while they come out and they're standing in these old timey baseball outfits and they're standing in front of this sort of two bit baseball backdrop, and then they just do who's on first with Dino kicking the shit out of Andy Dick really on stage every and it is the funniest thing in history <laughs> because it is like the stakes of. It, like, reveals the stakes of the conflict uh-huh. between Abbott and Costello, right? <laughs> that, like, they they hate like they hate each other so much, apparently, that, like, they should just be hitting each other. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And so, Good you God. know, just not... And Andy Dick is into it because he's... Wait, maybe I got it the other way around. It's Maybe it's Dino's a masochist and Andy Dick hits him. I think that's what it is. Oh, okay. Still. Dino's a masochist, Andy Dick hits him. And they just knock the shit out of each other. It is amazing. Because who's on first is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the stakes are so absurd when you're kidding for real. Oh, God. Yeah, it's that amazing. Is, did they finish? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is do- truly amazing. Another great thing about Dino Stamatopoulos. Uh-huh. We're really far afield here, but I'm a little loopy on migraine medication, so mm. you're just going to have to roll with this. So Dino Stamatopoulos, speaking of friends, worked on a sitcom with an actress from Friends. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I won't say which actress from Friends, uh-huh. but uh, let's just say this actress married into a fam- famous acting family uh-huh. at one point. Sure, okay. Um, and they had a rap party for the first season of the show at uh, at that actress's house, mm-hmm. with this actress and her actor husband's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dino got into an argument with some other people. This is how I'm remembering the story. Dino posted this on a comedy message board called The Special Thing many years ago. Mm -hmm. And then not long afterwards, it was deleted because it should not have been posted publicly. um, They got into an, uh, an argument about what breast milk tastes like. And Dino insisted it tastes fine. It just tastes like sweet milk. And to prove the point, he went into her refrigerator and drank some of her breast milk. Holy shit. That man, that man, you know, I want to have him on my show, my other show. My experience is he's very nice. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I once saw him speak at my college because we went to the same college. And when the person who Harvard. was running everything, yes, Harvard, clearly, uh, every the thing, the person who was running everything was like, so, you know, what's a what's a good reason to stick with it and stick out, you know? And he, he Dino, sitting there with a tumbler and a bottle of vodka. What's the reason to stick with it and stay at Columbia Co- College, not Columbia University? It's like, no, nah, you don't fucking need to. Like he's <laughs> serious. He's there to promote the college with Scott Adsit and somebody else, and he's like, nah, nah it doesn't matter. <laughs> Man, I know this because my brother went to that college. Um, uh huh. They're they're like I think that as a graduate of UC Santa Cruz, 
I went to the school with the highest ratio of famous dropouts <laughs> to famous graduates. Yeah. Because we have like Maya Rudolph and yeah. Andy Samberg sure. and uh, Miranda July and all these people who didn't quite graduate from UCSC. Uh-huh. Um, but Columbia of Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, who even graduated? Did you graduate? I did. So just you. Yep. That's about it. Yeah. That's about My it. brother didn't graduate. And I'm super famous. So you were valedictorian so, then? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah My brother's a very successful dog walker. <laughs> so... <laughs> We got a lot go. of people. We I, I keep finding new people who are like turns out went there. Yeah, the, I, I'm pretty sure the alum magazine never Bob has Oden graduates. Kirk, right? Probably. Yeah, I think Bob Andy Oden Richter Kirk went did. there yep. for a time. Yeah, Gendy Tartakovsky went there for a time. Yeah, it's all for a time. So who graduated from there then? Just oh, Jason. Just, just me. <laughs> just me. <laughs> We've established this thoroughly. Just make so sure. back to this episode of news. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and do you I like also... that I'm hosting and derailing the yep. show at the same yeah, time? Yeah, I absolutely do. It's I'm very a guest nice. on your program. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's what happens. So being three episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, Jimmy's finally got his book, and he's there to do his reading. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy James, Capitalist Lion Tamer. I, I have what he wrote. Mm-hmm. If you will. Um, I will for some of he's it. He's introduced by the great Dave Gruber Dave Allen. Gruber Allen. <laughs> I just was going through my records, mm-hmm. and out of my records fell a fax that I got from Dave Gruber Allen when I was still doing my show at the, my college radio station in Santa Cruz, and they were doing Naked Trucker and T-Bone's yeah, show yeah. at San Francisco Sketchfest, and I tried to book them on my show. And he, we were unable to do it, but he sent me a handwritten fax thanking me for... Uh, being interested and saying they would love to do it at a different time in the future when their schedule accommodates. That's adorable. And I like kept it. I've had it for of 15 years. Of course you did. You would have to, yeah. That's <laughs> adorable. Dave Gruber Allen. He's a real prince. <laughs> Allen, your brother, by the way, has a shirt of this poster, or of the giant stand-up. He does. It says Macho Business Donkey Wrestling. Yes, I got it for, to him for Christmas. This, so. is, this is the dumbest run. One of the dumbest <laughs> runs in the history of the show. It's just nonsense. Yeah. Like... W- Oh, yes. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's all. Oh, you're just going to say it's the dumbest run? Uh-huh, because you wanted to read it. I'm giving you an Well, I just... Here's the thing, though. It starts off sounding like English, and then it really sure. just derails, because uh, I had a small house of brokerage on Wall Street. Many days, no business comes to my house, my hut, but Jimmy has fear... A, a thousand. thousand times no. <laughs> That's one of those lines that I've quoted a million times in real life. When news radio was in, <laughs> went into syndication, I was a mm-hmm. freshman in college. Uh-huh. And me and my neighbor, Dan Grayson, would hang out in his room underneath his <laughs> giant Led Zeppelin-themed uh, wall hanging. Sure. Mm-hmm. Not even poster, like fabric wall hanging. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, and just watch watch news radio twice a night. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, there's nothing that speaks to my college experience more than the phrase, did Jimmy have fear a thousand times now? <laughs> Rarely was there a situation that one of us faced that could not be solved by reminding, by being reminded by the other. Did Jimmy have fear? A thousand times now. <laughs> <laughs> I I almost like though I mean you can continue if you like but no, I mean that's that's the, that's I mean that's the, the it just gist keeps of it the, yeah he keeps going and it's brilliantly written but I almost think that Brian Posehn uh, ups it a million times <laughs> by asking questions about lines we didn't hear read yep. and somehow they're funnier because he wrote them down verbatim. Can I say the <laughs> magic moments for me in uh-huh. the first speech before we get into the Brian Posehn yeah, part? Yeah, yeah. 
because there are two magical things with me, and I watched it before, and I didn't commit it to memory. You guys have it in notes, but mm-hmm. the magical moment, the magical linguistic moment, is when he's describing all the different ridiculous shit. That is all very crazy and funny, and I was pleased to note not too racist. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that right. was always Retros- my concern. I was right. like going back. I was like, hmm, I wonder if that was racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely a time of being racist against Japanese business people. Sure, and sure. Certainly, you could see this in that context, and that's problematic. But the specifics of it aren't particularly notably racist. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this. There's this part where he talks about the ribbon of fat. That, <laughs> like, as though it's just in the, when he's talking about girding his loins. Yeah. So at some point it has, it mentions the the fine rib, ribbon of fat or something. Uh-huh. The, the tr- dragon ribboned with fat and the opulence <laughs> of buffalo. And then, okay, so the dragon <laughs> ribboned with fat, which is beautiful. <laughs> just beautiful language. <laughs> And then the, and it's a cheap joke, but mm-hmm. Stephen Root, God bless him, as brilliant as anyone has ever been at doing these things. The way he holds the moment as he says, the opulence of Buffalo, then he takes the page, <laughs> turns it, and just accepts with resignation the <laughs> fact that the last word is dung. <laughs> but just the long break, like on a sitcom, a thousand years, uh-huh. as he takes the page, turns it, the opulence of Buffalo, dung. <laughs> oh. it's of, you don't see Jimmy James that humiliated ever. No. Know, which is, <laughs> no, no, no. My, my other a favorite, thousand times no. My other favorite line, though, is Jimmy has fancy plans and pants to match. <laughs> yes. Good Christ. That's another one I've also used. War, war. <laughs> yeah, and at one point, Brian Posehn asks him, what did you mean when you wrote Bad Clown making like super American car racers? I would make them sweat. War, war. Yeah. <laughs> that was part of like a really rich part of Brian Posehn's career mm-hmm. where he would later go on to be the funny looking guy from Just Shoot Me. Yes. Sure. Um, but at this point, he was just the funny looking guy from every sitcom uh-huh. where like his entire career was based on presumably just one casting director who mm-hmm. liked him. Mm-hmm. And any time there, there was a weird guy character uh-huh. just giving it to him. Because he would kill it. Like, he would yeah. just destroy Weird Guy uh, by just standing up, being 7,000 feet tall. Yep. And that natural voice of his. That, yeah. That is somehow his natural voice. That is his, the real way he talks. <sighs> it's it's really good. It's And, uh, and uh, this story gets punched by them flying off to Japan for sushi, which I think is kind of eh. really, it's dumb, but yeah. it also He's makes no sense. He's a billionaire. You can do He's that. a billionaire. You know? It's cute. It yeah. is cute. It's not, it's not as, it's. As a tag to the heights of the of the joke, it's hard sure. to, you know. Um, it, it is nice when they when the some of them come and they have that giant paper mache Mr. James had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that none of the, like the Japanese Mr. James fans, mm-hmm. uh, none of them are doing gross uh, Japanese stereotype things. No, 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 no. no. There's no like giggling and. No, there's no, and there's no like big novelty glasses right. or like acting super crazy. Like as much as they're crazy, like they're uh-huh. they're reasonably dignified. Like they act the way that fans of a business author would act if that was a thing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not the little Britain version of Asian people. <laughs> um, 
Josh Lieb did tweet back at me, I'm happy to say. I was at home in South Carolina when I had the idea. I called Sam Johnson to tell him. I think there was a bad retranslation of T.S. Eliot, Eliot's little love song of J. Alfred Proofrock, in The New Yorker that inspired it, but I've never looked for it since. So that's that's what he has to say. Yeah, that's that's where it came from. That's that's where all the best uh, (laughs) comedy writers get their ideas is... A love song of J. Alfred Prufrock <laughs> translations from the New Yorker. This, this He's is like, the, well, I was reading The Economist, and <laughs> the one reason this show is so different and also so poorly regarded by people who d- just don't get it. Like, I just, not that I would understand that reference as a child, but it's just, it was above some, was it above heads or am I just Josh, making myself feel smart? Josh Lieb and Josh Lieb and Paul Sims, like, are with Warren Littlefield or whoever was running NBC at the time, uh-huh. pounding on desks. <laughs> being like the people read the new yorker it's topical it's a j alfred proof rock reference uh, also in season five there's going to be so many db cooper references that yeah. it'll just drive you insane i had no idea what db cooper was and it was before I you could if i did i don't know. look up db cooper right mm-hmm. there was no wikipedia sure yeah i think i knew but my parents must have explained it to me maybe i i had like a vague idea but not really the whole other than the fact that nobody knew who he was, right, I think right, that right, was right. about the only thing I had. I was like, "This must be a real thing." That yeah, was yeah, like yeah. how I, I was like, "This has to be a." It real was so thing, extensive. Right? You're yeah. like, they haven't explained it yet. Must so. be a reference to something. Are you Doobie Keebler? <laughs> stupid fucking line. Uh, do you do you always break out that Matthew? Because that is a really strong Matthew. Yeah, I do it like every episode. Well, I mean, I would too. It's really that was really strong work. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Um. So and you, again, if I hosted this, we would just exclusively talk in putty accents. Sure. So. No, it'd be. Uh, you're welcome to come back just to do that. Once right. once we get to season five, I'm in. All right, good. Uh, Jesse. Yeah. Normally we do like favorite lines. You've already given your favorite line. <laughs> uh, and we've taken up a lot of your time. So what I'm going to say is, this is coming out tomorrow. So yeah. what do you got to promote? Where can people find you? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Well, actually, this week is the last week of a podcast uh, that I have been doing this summer called The Turnaround. Mm -hmm. So I host an NPR interview show called Bullseye. um, And uh, I've been interviewing the greatest interviewers in the world uh, for the past couple months. So there's about 15 of these. Uh, Everyone from uh, Larry King to Jerry Springer to Terry Gross uh, to all of your favorites, except for Howard Stern and Nardwar. Sorry, <laughs> Howard Stern said no, and Nardwar has been under the weather. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, like uh, so many brilliant, amazing people, and it has garnered. I like made it thinking it would be like a sort of professional development project for myself, uh-huh. a way to trick people who were better at my job than me into sure. telling me their secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it's actually attracted a lot of, uh, a really great sizable audience that I've been very surprised by. And I've heard from a lot of people who do work. I imagined it being for journalists, but a lot of people who do work that involves talking to people have told me that they've gotten a lot out of it. So that makes sense. Wow. everyone from, uh, social scientists, I've heard from a couple different social scientists telling me how valuable, uh, a chaplain um, who, uh, who works in a hospice who told me how valuable it was to them. And also Jeez. just people who um, people who talk to people for their jobs or in their life, that it has given them insight into 
how to have a good conversation and that kind of thing, which it was entirely accidental. And then I host, um, uh, as I said, an NPR show called Bullseye um, that has many interviews with your favorite comedy personalities, although a surprisingly small number from news radio, given how much Mm. I love news radio. (laughs) But basically every other person that we've talked about. Yeah. (laughs) Since Brian Posehn and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, yeah, I've been doing in you know, it's, it's an arts and culture show generally. So you're as likely to find Werner Herzog or something as you are to find a comedy person, but been doing like real in-depth, interviews with comedy people since I was 19. Um, uh, and so there's a huge, huge archive of every favorite comedy person of yours. I have had a thoughtful, in-depth conversation with, with them. Um, we just had, last week's episode, I think it was, was um, uh, Lily Tomlin and Rick Moranis. Um, Jesus Christ! Week wow. Or, week, week or two before that, we had um, the Trailer Park Boys in character, <laughs> uh, which I speaking of things I used to record at my house. I recorded that at my house uh-huh. um, when they were in town to do their first American television appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, they that morning or that afternoon stopped by my apartment in Koreatown <laughs> to do an in in character interview. Holy shit! Um, so, yeah, so many, many years of that. And on the comedy side of things, uh, I do a dumb conversation podcast called Jordan, Jesse, Go, and you could check out the one with Kevin McDonald that just came out. Uh, Kevin McDonald was a joy. Mm-hmm. It's a, while it is a premiseless podcast with two white dudes talking about nothing, it is one of the first. Yeah, yeah. One of the longest running. Um, Sounds like a good premise to me. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a couple, couple, couple probably have us beat on that front. Uh, from my friend Jimmy Pardo sure. and the guys from A uh, Yeah Dude, but mm-hmm. like uh, besides that, we're ten plus years in the game. Mm-hmm. And um, as I said, I do Judge John Hodgman with John Hodgman, where he is a fake judge and judges real interpersonal issues between people, and I am the bailiff, and I, um, I just get to yell at people. <laughs> Be dumb. Mm-hmm. It's great. Everything else, I'm responsible for something. Sure. On Judge John Hodgman, well, I thought of the idea for the show. Uh-huh. I am not responsible for its content. John is, <laughs> and he's a much more responsible person than I in general. So I can just yell at the guests or you know whatever. Of course. Be stupid. Mm-hmm. He has to. Be, he has to be judgy. Yeah. He has to be reasonable and thoughtful. You get to scream at people. And I just get to yell at people. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) But it's real real dramas, like the People's Court or something like that, but with John Hodgman, who is shockingly wise. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, hey, guess what that is? (laughs) Super embarrassing. That's what that is. That's just telling me that my. It's Candy. We got a caller. Go ahead. Candy Alexander Alexander. on the phone. (laughs) Yep. Um, She was always a dancer slash actress. mm -hmm. She didn't used to be. Did you have anything else to promote? Because I my phone just interrupted. I mean, is, should I promote more things? Because I feel if like I just promoted a <laughs> lot of things. Uh, I'm, my The main problem with my career is that no one can figure out which thing to start with or what the sure. fuck my deal is. Yep, so. yep. <laughs> believe me. I'm I'm fully aware of how that goes. If you like dumb goofing around, try yeah. Jordan Jesse Go. That's what I I'll st- I'll say that. If you like dumb goofing around, try Jordan. I listen to it every week. Oh, thank you, Jason. It's It's adorable. It's it's very funny, and I don't know they're the funniest dick jokes. We can at least say that, right? Like Thank the, you. they're the best dick jokes. We're I'm very proud of the dick joke work that we do, and I do really like your latest thing of opening it as though that your podcast is about something else. That really does make me. Laugh. Can I tell you a secret? <laughs> yes. We went through like a year of how could we make Jordan Jesse go accessible to people, right? And explain what it is. Yeah. 
And we were trying to come up with something we could say at the top of the show that would explain to people what they were about to hear. Mm -hmm. And in classic Jordan Jesse Go fashion, somehow our answer to that became state the premise for a different imaginary podcast and then just say, instead of doing that this week, let's just hang out and chat. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm just going to promote my shit real quick. At uh, jklam, J-K-L-A-M-M, on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to be doing my comedy album a day video series again. I am listening to a comedy album a day. I'm just like 20 or 30 albums behind. It's uh, a lot of work. Uh, go to bit.ly forward slash celery sound because I have a sketch comedy record label that I'm starting that's very tiny, but it's got some really good stuff on there already. Um, and go see Alan and I in whatever the next drinking game show is here in L.A., which is probably, I don't know, end of the month. Go to go to uh, Facebook.com and why did I say dot .com? Go to dot Facebook com. and look up a drinking game. Alan and yeah. I are in that every month. It's, hey. Yeah, so that's it. Is there anything we you, should plug for Tavy? Just follow Tavy on Twitter. She's yeah. the best. Follow Kids in the Hall. She runs their social media. Tavy's awesome. Just say hi to her. I keep looking for the movie uh, Three to Die. Our screenplay keeps getting into more and more festivals. We're getting inching closer and closer, so uh-huh. cross some fingers. Okay. <laughs> Is that it? Uh, you can find me at Alan Rickert, A-L-L-E-N-R-U-E-C-K-E-R-T, at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com. Thank you, Alan. Well, that's that's about it. Jesse, thank you so much for doing this and letting you us know, do it here. If I type Jesse. in Facebook.net, is that going to work for me? I would imagine so. Uh, your the computer might blow up. Oh. It, uh, it's also possible. Facebook.fish. Mm-hmm. I uh, tried to Google Yahoo once. That did you? apparently <laughs> inception thing. I don't is that like what it. happened? I'm yeah. so sorry. I don't think I'm in the real world yet. Okay. It was kind of you to have uh, us in Guys, your, in I got to go box. ask Jeeves real quick, okay? Jesus Christ. Fogdog.com. Uh, well, there's one last thing to say, uh-huh. <laughs> and that is, catch you later, bee cakes. There we are. Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickard and Jason Klom, and our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. Please subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio. Visit stolendress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Big day today, Dave.